Welcome back to episode 13 of Talking Stocks. My name is Joe. I'm here with Todd, as always. How are you, Todd? Good. Lucky 13. I think yeah. it's like in, like in elevators, Joe. Maybe we should skip 13. Go yeah, maybe we should call this episode 14 for, for the sake of karma. Who knows? <laughs> That's right. I don't know how much how much of a gamble we want to take with, when it, especially when it comes to you know the the market that we've been in, how crazy high things have have gotten out of control, theoretically gotten out of control. You know, do we really want to be tempting fate with episode mm. thirteen? But so be it. So there be it. it. Here it's we are. Insane. I said it already. We're too late. <laughs> yeah. So let's um, let's jump in because I I know there's some news this morning that's kind of hot off the press that you actually brought up before we started recording. I hadn't, I hadn't heard anything about it. Um, this new kind of stimulus rumor. So fill, fill us in for those who haven't heard. Well, we could be back in business <laughs> yet again. It's almost like a, it's like the cheese that they keep pulling along the, you know, to try and, <laughs> you know coerce us towards the, uh, the end game. But once again, um, I think it was Politico came out say, saying that we could see a $900 billion stimulus deal as soon as today, which is weird because that means they're doing a lot of behind the scenes things when they're not even there. I mean, right. we've got the whole holiday and everything else, right, Joe? So, I mean, um, it seems a little bit awkward to me to, to, to be, you know, betting on this as, as an outcome, especially since, again, that cheese has been... You know, the, it's like um, you know, the Charlie Brown with the football. It keeps getting removed. Exactly, exactly. You know, and I get go to kick and, and whatever. Um, but I mean, it, it's been this this ongoing debate of of will stimulus come and if the stimulus comes, how much would it, will it be? And I think one of the things that's interesting about that is, you know, we talk on the show about the markets being a forward looking instrument, right? It's always kind of like looking ahead and saying, okay, well. It's, it's not based on what happened yesterday. It's based upon what's, what's likely to happen over the course of the next six to nine months. And one of the things that's interesting is that, you know, if you look at our sector report, and we put them out every week for our listeners. Um, there's a link in the bottom. You can get a free subscription to a trial so you can see what the sector rankings are. But we get these sector rankings every week. And for months, financials have been strong. And that's kind of, you know, gone in the face of maybe what conventional wisdom might dictate. Right. You, you look at it and say, well, why would I want to own a bank when, you know, businesses are closing and people are at risk of defaulting on uh, their personal loans, their credit cards, et cetera. And I think this is really what the market is, is sniffing out. It's sniffing out the eventuality that we do get stimulus. People do end up with money in their pockets and they do have a little bit of, um, additional faith in that playing out because of what we saw earlier this year. I mean, this, the stimulus package that passed early this year was, I think, pretty successful as far as um, taking us from a negative 30 GDP growth, getting us back on track and protecting people um, um, from default because they were, you know, had that extra 600 bucks a week in there unemployment. So if they had been laid off because of COVID, they didn't have to worry about that. In some instances, that gave them a, enough fle financial flexibility where they were actually able to not only make their payments, but actually go out and consume, right? And yep. drive up sales. I don't think they're talking about 600 this time around. I think they're talking about an extra $300 for up to 16 weeks of additional unemployment insurance. But again, as an investor, what we're doing is we're looking at it and we're saying, okay, well, that makes sense now. Okay, financials are scoring really high in the research, 
banks are scoring really high. Conventional wisdom would be for that not be the case, but if we do get stimulus, that adds to the whole argument. Yeah, you know what, Joe? Maybe it is a good time to go out and buy a high scoring bank like US Bank Corp or Citibank or one of those, you know, there's, there's a lot of them, a lot of the yep. mid, a lot of mid cap and, and small cap uh, regional banks as well. We're just going out, Joe, and saying, you know what, I'm going to just, I'm not sure, I don't want to pick the winner and loser in the space. I'll just go out and I'll buy the, the, uh, the ETF, the regional bank ETF, KRA. Yep. I just pulled up, uh, I have, when we record these, I have another monitor that has Fidelity Active Trader Pro up on it. And so a lot of times I'll be, I'll be pulling up charts as we kind of go along in our conversation. And I just pulled up uh, Prudential Financial, which I believe was, it was the highest or one of the highest uh, scoring stocks in our research last week. I don't know if that has held up, but I'm guessing it has. And they're up about half a percent today. So there's definitely like they're, they're down, uh, they got down into the 76 range um, in the past few days uh, down from like 81. So I think there's definitely, there's definitely a potential entry point there. And I'm guessing that pattern holds for similar, similar banks out there. Yeah. And there's some seasonality associated. Insurers tend to do well into the end of the year. I'm not really sure why. Maybe it's because of storm season, winter storm season and stuff. But I mean, traveler scores really well too. Um, progressive scores really well. Uh, so there are insurers would be an option uh, for people who are interested in financials, but don't want to participate in the, in the, in the banks. Yep, absolutely. All right. So we're kind of, we're kind of on, on the topic of financials now. And so I had this idea that uh, we might even make this a, a kind of recurring segment, depending on how our, how our viewers and listeners um, think about this. So if you, if you like this idea, please let us know, you know, comment, tweet at us, whatever. Um, so I want to take two pretty similar stocks and I want to, I want to compare them and I want to hear like a, a want to come to a conclusion really of which one you think is the better investment. So this week, I think it's, it's appropriate to start off with a couple of, you might call them Titans or giants, Square and PayPal, which have been in the the fintwit discussion for years now and they're both having a pretty good day today we're recording this on wednesday the 16th it's about 11 10 in the morning 11 15 in the morning and they're both up uh over two percent so let's hear you know i threw a lot at you so Take yeah, that, so are you take gonna ask you me, <laughs> Joe? Are you gonna ask me which of my kids I like best at this point? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean that's that's awesome. I mean PayPal and Square. I, full disclosure, I own both of them already in my portfolio. Uh, one of the things that as investors we have to sometimes that we're faced with is is limited. We have limited cash on the sidelines to deploy, and we have to make choices, right? So you know, I didn't buy PayPal and Square at the same time when I included them in my portfolio, right? I had to make a choice. Okay, well, right. this is the one I'm gonna own first. And then, you know, later on I had money available. So I ended up buying the other one. So and that's kind of like one of those ongoing debates that we have to make. And oftentimes we end up making the wrong choice at the wrong time, right? We'll, we'll say, oh, geez, I, I could have timed this entry better. I didn't really get it at the price I wanted to pay. 
And that's one of the things that our research kind of tries to help out with, right? Because it takes a lot of the noise away and just basically gives you, okay, if we're going to take all of these different data points that tend to, you know, correlate with the stock price going up, right? If we're going to combine all that together into a score, then it allows you very simply to rank them and say, okay, well, which one has the higher score, right? Yep. Whichever one has the higher score is the one that I will buy. Um, now, you know, that comes really into play when you have two stocks that have very different scores, right? So if you have a stock that maybe has a score of 95 and another stock that has a score of 45 in our research, well, then you'd want the one that has the 95. Absolutely. It's such a huge spread to the one who has a 45. It gets muddier when you start looking at high scoring stocks and they're only separated by you know, 10 or 15 points because really then you're only talking about, okay, this one stock scoring really well maybe on this one factor, but this other factor scores well for this other stock and maybe it only just doesn't score marginally worse than that first stock, right? Yes. So you're kind of like um, splitting hairs in, in a way. And that's kind of where we are when it comes to um, to Square and PayPal. But there is there is a difference in score. I mean, PayPal's score currently, I'm just punching it up in the system, uh, is an 80 which in my view, I would consider an 80 still to be a high scoring stock. I wouldn't scare me away. I would buy a stock with a score that had 80 if it had everything uh, else that I happen to look for in stocks. Um, but Square's score is a 95. You know, so I look at that and I say, well, it's not a huge difference in score, um, but Square would be the one that I would be tilting toward. So all things equal, if I was looking at these two and I said, okay, well, I love both of these companies. I want to own both of these companies, but I can only buy one of the companies right now. I guess the one that I would be tilting you toward would be say, okay, go out and buy Square. And that's, again, that's one of the advantages of having a ranking system because right. it allows, it removes that emotion, right? Uh, it allows you to, to quantifiably look at something and say, yeah, you know what? If I'm just listening to the data and letting the data point me in the right direction, it's telling me Square's the one to buy. All right. So, now that we've we've come to our consensus, so looking at the looking at the chart for for Square since the since the the crash in March, it's a it's a really steady upward trajectory. So for for an for a potential investor, it's tough to find an entry point looking at this chart because it's just it's like a it's like a steady upward staircase basically. So. How would you how would you suggest a potential investor um, try to target an entry point? Right, and again, we're not technicians, but I do use. I've been in the business a long time, and I, I really do believe that you can use charts to help you gauge sentiment, and you can use charts to help you figure out when's the right time. You know, is this a good time to enter or not, or, or whatever. We are Joe in a weird. You know, this is 2020, right? So everything's weird. Right. Um, we are in a weird situation where the markets have had kind of this unbridled optimism. And it seems like no matter what, stocks within certain baskets, you know, these certain industries um, just continue to march higher and higher and higher. And I think one of the temptations, the biggest things we're wrestling with as investors is this whole fear of missing out, right? FOMO, right? Exactly. Uh, and, and, you know, I guess maybe that, you know, tails in with YOLO. Or, or, I mean, it's all the <laughs> acting, right? Um, 
but this whole concept of, okay, well, I, you know, I need to be in this market. I need to be in this market. Um, you can be selective. It's okay to be selective. Now, I think the story is a little different if you're 100% in cash and you're missing this whole move. But I mean, if you're majority, mostly invested, and you're just talking about some dry powder on the sidelines, like I have about 15% in cash right now. I've been steadily pruning my trees and pulling my weeds over the course of the last couple of weeks. Um, and, uh, and raising a little bit of cash. So, I mean, if, if you're mostly invested, you're still making money in this market, right? But the, the key is to, to kind of like uh, do no harm, right? Hippocratic oath, right? So, so yep. you look at, I'm gonna share uh, my screen and um, I wanna look at this chart a little bit more. Um, so let me know if you can see it, Joe. Yep, it's up. Okay, great. And um, listeners, we do post these on YouTube. So if you're listening to us on, um, on your favorite service uh, and want to look at the charts, uh, feel free to check us out on YouTube after the show's done or, or whatever. And don't forget to subscribe and like so you see each one of these when we post them. All right, so we're looking at Square uh, and you'll see, you know, I, I, we talk about this every week with the stocks we pull out. We look at the revenue growth in this company is just absurd in a way. 140% year over year last quarter, 64% year before, or quarter before that, 44% before that, 41% before that. I mean, obviously just, just knocking out of the park on top of growing their business. And then you look at the earnings. And again, I like to see um, ideally double digit revenue uh, earnings growth as well. And 2021 expected to grow 51%. But this is not a cheap stock, you know, to your point, you know, I mean, if you, I always look at the 200 day moving average to kind of be my baseline of how extended things are. You know, and you got a stock that's trading at 224, and maybe the 200-day moving average is 125. You know, 100 points to the 200-day moving average, and you know, it does act like a little bit like a magnet. At some point, you'll probably see uh, the stock trade to the 200-day moving average. But remember, the 200-day moving average is an average of the past 200-day prices. So the 200-day moving average is moving up, right? right? So who's to say that the stock doesn't go up to 300? The 200-day moving average, you know, ends up getting pulled up to 200. And when it does pull back to the 200-day moving average, you would just be pulling back to wherever you bought it is today, right? So exactly. You don't want to get too cute because math, right? Um, you know, so there are a few things that I I, I would look at here with Square. Um, one of the things that's interesting is you'll notice that uh, traditionally I like to see um, more buy volume than sell volume. So more buy volume on up days and you know less sell volume on on down days. And we certainly were getting that through this this period right in here from September through November. One of the things you'll notice though is that in the very, very short term, buy volume spikes on Square have indicated a short-term pullback. So if you look here, for example, you had this huge 34 million uh, share day. And we went only a little bit higher and then we pulled back about 10%. Then you had this move, huge volume day, and it was within one or two days of a meaningful decline, 150 to maybe like 140 or 130. And then, you know, you look over here more recently, you, again, you had a big volume up day. Uh, and then you had another five days of kind of digestion before it rallied out again. Now, right now, we don't have that volume. There's not a huge amount of buy volume. And I think a lot of people are wrestling with the same thing that you're wrestling with, Joe, which is that you're saying, okay, well, you know, do I really want to buy it up here? So on those updates, you don't have a lot of volume coming in right now. Um, 
I get torn on this because, you know, if you had a huge volume spike day, then you could say, well, I'll probably get a good entry sometime over the course of the next week. Um, right now, though, you, you basically don't have a whole heck of a lot of conviction because you don't have, you know, above average volume like you were having way back in here, right? And you don't have uh, the stock retreating. So the way I typically approach companies like this is in thirds. So if you have a normal position and your normal position is say, you know, 3% of your portfolio, take 1% at the market today, because it's certainly possible that the, the, the stock just continues to run or it trends out sideways a little bit and then goes again, right? And if you're, if you set, if you're too firm, in my, in my experience, if you're too firm in saying, you know what, I'm not buying this stock unless it's 150 again, the risk of you missing out on that stock altogether is just too high. If you've done your homework, right? If you've built the foundation for the house and the foundation is strong, are you just not going to build the house now? Are you going to leave the foundation there? I think what you do is you, you go out and you buy some and then you see how it trades from here and you look for your spots to, to, um, to put more of it to work. But again, Joe, I mean, you can, you can adjust those plans a little bit, but have the broad stroke plan spelled out, right? Plan yep. your trade, plan your investment, and then, and then trade, trade your plan, you know, invest your plan, right? That's right. Don't, don't, um, don't wing it necessarily. Have, have it thoughtfully done. So you say to yourself, I'm going to do it in thirds. I'm going to put a percent on now. I'm going to put another percent on in a week. If we're still around this 200, we've gone side, whatever that plan happens to be. Okay. But have a plan in place for it. And that's the way I would approach square right now. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at, so I have a slightly different version of your chart up on my screen on a different computer. So I can't share it, unfortunately, but I have a, I have a simple moving average indicator on my chart and for reference, Square has been above its simple moving average now for exactly a month. So just consistently trading above that point for a month now. So yeah, I, I think that, I think that there's, there's reason to, to think that there would be a pullback, but at the same time, FOMO kicks in for somebody like me. And I'm like, hmm, am I gonna, am I gonna miss out on this if I don't buy it now? I, I have a, I have a habit of, trying to wait for that dip and then not seeing the dip happen and missing out. So I've, I've had, I've had some negative experiences, but I think that, I think that your, your point is pretty, pretty valid. Well, we were actually just talking about that before the show started, right, Joe, we were talking about how you were personally looking at Etsy, a stock we talked about last week and last week's show. Yep. It's like, geez, I want to buy it, but you know, it's not really giving me any opportunities to buy it. It's kind of that same thing where you look at it and you say, geez, I've done my work on, I got my thesis, I've done my homework on, and I've read, I've read the 10K. God forbid, right? I mean, people actually read the 10K and the 10K. God forbid we do our research. I know, right? You actually understand the company that you're investing in, right? So you've That's done right. your research. You're not just listening. Oh, it's hot on Robinhood or Reddit's talking about it. I got to get in. Um, you know, you've done your work on it and stuff. And then the, that big question again, it's like, oh, geez. And you know what the biggest thing is, Joe? People don't want to be wrong. That's true. You know, you don't want to be wrong because then you feel stupid, right? But it's okay yep. to feel, it's, you know, you, nothing ventured, nothing gained. 
and you don't learn uh, unless unless you're well. You can learn if you're tracking and journaling, but for the average person, isn't tracking and journaling. You know, they're just having these emotions. They're continually being, you know, swayed one way or the other by those emotions, you know. But again, that's why I think taking a measured approach to saying, okay, well, I'm not going to buy it all right now. If I'm going to buy five shares of it, you know, I'm going to buy two, two and one or something like that. So have some kind of a plan and put it because you can do it now because there's no transaction fees. Right. You know, it's not like, oh, oh, it's just going to be cost me so much to do those three trades and I'm only playing with a small amount of money. No, it, it's irrelevant because it doesn't, it, it really doesn't matter. So from my perspective, it's better to get some, some skin in the game, go out there. If you like the stock and you've done your homework on it, buy a little bit. Um, hey, you won't have a full position, but if it keeps running, you're still making money and there's nothing wrong with that. And you know, you'll be watching it very closely because you now have the money, you have money invested in it, right? So when you do get an opportunity at some point, you know, and most stocks give investors an opportunity some point over the course of a three, six, nine month period of time, then you add, you know, you can add more or do more or do whatever you want to do. Right. All right. So with that, I want to, I want to shift gears a little bit. This is, um, this is last week's news. So <laughs> bear with us, but we, we had, a, we had a lot to cover last week and we didn't get around to talking about Stitch Fix, which is a stock that I have watched very closely since, ever since their IPO several years, years ago now. Um, full disclosure, I have been a shareholder of theirs off and on, um, but they had a huge, huge breakout last, Gosh. what was it? Last uh, Tuesday, I guess it would have been. Um, yeah, jumped from like 36 to 54, something like that. So almost a, 64 today, Joe. Yeah, it's, it's insane. I, I feel like I, I feel like I missed out a little bit when I, back when I owned it, I was kind of like, I was always waiting for that breakout and it never came. And I kind of, kind of lost my patience and lost my thesis, if you will. Um, but looking at it now you know, have they, have they proven themselves or is this just, is, is this just the, the magical world of FinTwit and Wall Street bets inflating the price, like with a, with a bicycle pump? <laughs> you know, I gotta, I gotta admit, I have been wrong about Stitch Fix. I have been, you know, this is the most important words you can say as an investor is wrong. I'm, I've been wrong. I've been wrong. Right. And yep. then, and then take action on being wrong. And for, for, you know, Hey, I'll lay on the sword right now. So I, I am involved with programs from hedge funds. Um, I have to be long and short in those programs. I was short at one point stitch fix. Um, and I was betting against it because I was like, well, what's the, you know, what's their mode? I mean, they just, stuff shows up at your door and you know, how much of the stuff do you really keep and what's keeping a Macy's from doing this? And, you know, there was all these arguments in my head for why, uh, I was skeptical of the company. And of course, the company didn't keep going down. It started to, to rally. I started to get upside down. I was losing money on it. Um, so I said, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I don't fully understand the story. Um, the, the catalyst, the reason I had been short, isn't playing out. It's, it's broken. And what? I'm going to stick with that bet against it because, you know, my pride. 
<laughs> my ego? No, no, I'm wrong. So I'm going to get out and I'm going to reconsider it. And if I want to get back into it, I'll get back into it because trading's free. Uh, right. You know, transaction's free. And I protected, obviously, a tremendous amount of uh, additional losses. Yeah, I lost money on the trade, but you know, it's not like a zero sum game. I took the money that I freed up from that and I deployed it somewhere else and I made money on that trade. You know, so I mean, it's like, you, you it's, you know, when you, when you realize you're on the wrong side, uh, when your catalyst busts, when, you know, say to yourself, yep, I'm wrong and make a choice. So now we, now we're faced with a different question, which is, is stitch fix viable right now? And again, ah, I wrestle with this. I feel it's, I feel like I hate to hedge myself on this, but I feel like I just don't understand the story enough to tell people, yeah, you can go out and buy this thing. Obviously the earnings were good. People responded favorably to them. But, you know, you look at the, the good, good to them is 10% year over year growth, you know? So yep. I look at that and I say, well, wouldn't I rather own Lululemon with 22% year over year growth last quarter? So, you know, again, then it starts to come down to the, the ranking system. You know, we've got our scores and we see that Lululemon has a very high score and Stitch Fix is a neutral score, has a 75. So you say to yourself, well, there's nothing there. I mean, if Stitch Fix score was 105, because we go up to 115 on our scores, don't ask me why. We go to episode five. <laughs> episode five, I'll drop a link, don't worry. <laughs> and we, where we talk about the scoring, the ranking system in more depth, and we talk about how crazy 17 years ago, I didn't set this thing to 100, I set it to 115. <laughs> so anyways, um, you know, if it would be different, right? Joe, if your score was over, was 100 or higher, I'd be saying to myself, I need to understand the story more. I, I, you know, obviously I don't understand it enough. I need to understand the story more because the score is telling me the stock is going to continue to go higher. But right now it's really not. Uh, it's telling me it's neutral score and I don't understand the story. So I'm going to sit on my hands with it and I'm going to focus on other highest scoring stocks instead. Yeah. I think there's, there's definitely like looking at, looking at that, at the chart that I kind of traditionally pull up, with the with the moving average it's so at the time of recording it's trading at 6350 basically and that's all time highs joe all oh, time yes. highs yep and the simple moving average currently stands at 4551 so there's definitely there's definitely an argument there for a pullback but i would say like if it if it pulls back significantly I might be I might be looking to to kind of re-enter into that. Well, you know, a little inside baseball here too, Joe, to, to for for listeners and and since we're talking about this, I'm gonna share my chart real quick. Go ahead. Um, so people can see Stitch Fix and see what we're talking about here. Um, and you'll see on my chart, I do it a little different than Joe. I've got the 200-day moving average, which is my black line. I got the 50-day moving average, which is my red line. Uh, Joe, you can see the chart, okay? Yeah. Yes, I can. All right. And then you'll see right here, listeners, at the beginning of December, where they reported their numbers. And we had this huge spike where we went from the 30s uh, to almost $50 per share. We're now trading at 64. No, there's no rule, hard and fast rule, that says you have to fill gaps. And I'm showing the gap here on that one day trade where you went from 30 to mid 40s. But very often we fill gaps. Yeah. So, you know, that's something else to, to bear in mind is that when you get situations where you get these big gaps and the same thing works if it sells off, you get a big gap sell down day. 
uh, then you know the, usually not the day of the sell-off, but if it sells off again the next day, you can go out and take a little slug of it. And then maybe as a position trade, uh, it'll start to fill that gap up. And then when it gets to some point uh, in that gap, go ahead and, and liquidate it and trade it out if you're a position trader. Um, but so anyway, so I just wanted to show people that gap and make people aware of it. You know, it has gone parabolic. You've got um, seven days to cover short. I'm assuming that the next uh, short update, um, it'll be less than seven days, but who knows? Uh, I do get some intelligence reports uh, on, on matters like this. It is one of the more heavily shorted, crowded names. And I think that's one of the reasons that we're seeing uh, among, among hedge funds. And I think that's one of the reasons we're seeing this covering now as people are, are getting out of it. Um, but again, it's not, it's just, it's a story that I don't fully understand. I'd rather own something else like Lululemon. Yeah, I agree with you. And one, one thing that I, that I did while you had that chart pulled up is I, I expanded the chart um, out, out to the max when they're, when they IPO'd back in 20, what was this 20 late 2017. And there are several of these spikes on just insane, like way above average volume amounts. And then it pretty soon after it has a history of just plummeting back down to where it was and actually oftentimes lower than where it was before the rally. So we've said it before on this show, history may not repeat itself, but it certainly rhymes. And so this would definitely be one of those scenarios where I would, I would err on the side of caution. So with that, why don't we, um, why don't we try to answer another question I had before we started recording, which was that, and you, you might have this question too, because I think we've both been kind of trimming our portfolios as of late. And so you said that you've got cash up to what, 15% now, which is significant. And I know, I don't know what my exact allocation is, but it's, it's close to that for sure in cash. And so in the, in the next few days to a week, maybe several weeks, depending on how long this rally goes on for, um, why don't we, why don't we bring up some stocks that are, that are going to be worth targeting? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the things interesting, Joe, just made me think of what we were talking about pruning trees and pulling weeds. I actually, one of my biggest positions is Tesla and Tesla's being added to the S and P 500. So of course, stocks have been rallying up ahead of that because they recognize, you know, people have been buying stock ahead of that because they recognize how much money follows the S&P 500 and they want to be involved in it. And the stock has been um, obviously a very good performer since, you know, the news was announced, but it's really kind of gone sideways for about a week, um, a week and a half. And it's by far became my, the largest stock in my portfolio. I was up, um, Joe, 1500% on it. Um, so I, I, I wanted to make some of that real. So, you know, my plan, when they announced the inclusion and the inclusion date, I came up with my plan because I'm a big believer, as you know, I've said, plan your trade, trade your plan, right? right. So my plan is, was at the time, uh, the week before inclusion, I'm gonna sell half my stake. So I'm gonna let it all just play out. I'm not gonna worry about price. I usually don't set price targets or anything like that, but a week ahead, I'm gonna go ahead and, and cut my position half. I did do that this week. I did do that this week. So. I am now still a big Tesla bull. I mean, I still own a lot of it, still a big position because I'm up so much on it. Uh, but I did also make uh, half of those gains real and that helped me uh, boost up my 
my cash position to a point where I feel like I have plenty of dry powder if we pull back um, to, to, to redeploy that and some of the names that we'll be talking about today. But I did want to just touch on the Tesla as a full disclosure, kind of like a, a, an example of, of rules and how to you know, institute your rules and, and follow through on them for, for good or, or for bad. All right, so that being said, I'm gonna share my screen and we'll take a look at some of the stocks uh, in the research that you might be more interested in putting up. You can see I've got the Tesla chart uh, up here right now. Um, but there were a few in the research this week as I was going through that sort of jumped out to me, Joe. Um, I've been really interested in the pet plays. Um, some people who have listened to the show probably aware that um, I, I talked about Chewy in the past uh, as, as a stock that scores highly in us that we'd be really interested in. And um, that's obviously been a big winner. I mean, we can just pull up the Chewy chart right now and see how that's just been just whoo, to the moon. Um, but yeah, so the one that's caught my eye though from the research this week is Covetris. And Covetris or CVET is the symbol there. So Charlie, Victor, Edgar, Tom, CVET. Uh, interesting company. They, you know, if you just look at what the, the, the snapshot says, it provides pharmaceutical diagnostic tests, surgical nutritional products to animal health industry. So think of them as kind of like, um, you know, the supply partner of both computer IT and pet products to veterinary clinics. All right, so they work with the vets to make sure that they have the products that they need to do their business every day, including, you know, IT hardware, um, you know, patient billing, scheduling um, software, uh, and then just, of course, regular products that they use, consumables that they use. I believe that they used to be part of um, Correct me from I'm not sure Henry Sheen I think and they got spun out from Henry Sheen, uh, yeah, in 2019 and you can see on the chart from there we got about eight days short interest there, um, which I kind of like to see in growing stocks, uh, growing companies that are rising. I like to see a high short interest because usually it shows you that the short sellers are wrong and they're going to be forced to to buy to cover and that's going to give you a little bit of a tailwind. You got 11% year over year growth in the most recent quarter. And you can expect a 12% growth year-over-year year in earnings in 2020 and another 10% year-over-year growth in 2021. So CVET was one that jumped out at me, uh, Joe, from the research this week. Another one I wanted to pull up because we're in the East Coast and uh, we're supposed to get some storms. Supposed to get an nor'easter coming through, Joe. So yep, batten down one. the hatches. Get your bread and milk. <laughs> rush to the grocery store. Anybody who lives in the snow country knows that you don't want to go anywhere near the grocery store the day of a storm. That's right. Avoid it like avoid it like COVID nineteen. <laughs> avoid it like COVID nineteen. Um, yeah, you know one of the things that uh, you know we do we do look at seasonality. Seasonality is part of the research model. Uh, Generac is one of the largest makers of power generators, and you know it's it, it shouldn't be this easy, but oftentimes. Joe, you have storms. If the storm delivers and it's a big storm and there are power outages, um, you'll see a short-term pop in generic. So, you know, the stock has moved up a lot. It's not a cheap stock. I mean, but at the same time, uh, it's one that you might want to have up on your watch list because um, uh, during storm season, it, it may pay off to, to, to pick up some shares of it. We talked about insurers early in the show. I want to pull up Travelers, which is a high-scoring insurer in the property casualty area, expected to grow earnings per share by 20% in 2021. I really like the setup 
Um, I think you've got a good shot, especially break above 140 on it. Uh, so I would be looking to buy anything in right around this spot and then go up to, you know, if it breaks up at 140, I think that'd be your conviction to either take more or that, you know, this thing could have more legs to it. Um, we've talked a lot about semiconductors since we started filming the podcast. Um, some of the semiconductors have gotten a little frothy. Uh, I think that, you know, can take a little bit of profit uh, off the table in some of those semiconductors. One, though, that I kind of like is monolithic power systems. MPWR, so Mary Peter Walter Reagan is the symbol there for listeners. And you can see that I got the chart up here. You've got 54% year over year revenue growth last quarter to 259 million. And you've got 28% EPS growth expected in 2020 and another 10% expected in 2021. I love that. I love double that's digit great revenue. Growth, yeah. Yeah, and, and in earnings growth, you've got this stock that's traded sideways pretty much since October. And my feeling here would be if you can buy it anywhere in the, you know, 315, 320 range, um, you know, if this thing goes out, breaks out of 350, I think you could go much higher on it uh, than that. So that would be another one I'm looking at. Um, we've talked in the show before about, uh, about Tractor Supply Company. TSCO. Yep. This week, I want to bring up Deer, uh, high-scoring stock in our research that I think may have some opportunity here. Um, you're kind of flirting with those old highs. If you can bust out of that, I think you could go a lot higher. Um, the revenue growth, obviously, not nothing to write home about because you know COVID-19. Um, but um, you do have solid earnings growth. And one of the things with kind of these cyclical kind of industrial stocks is that when the tough times are tough, they usually cut back a lot of the fat. And then when the re recession ends or when, when the buying returns, they're a lot leaner and their profit margins are better and they tend to deliver more to the bottom line. So deer would be one that I'm looking for there and see if there's any others that really jumped out at me. I guess the last one that I'll leave us with today, Joe, is uh, Skyworks Solutions, um, SWKS. Uh, interesting stock. I am long this my, myself. Um, you know, they, they uh, one of their biggest clients is Apple. And uh, so they're going to be tied a little bit to how well um, Apple does selling the iPhone through the holiday season. There have been some um, rumors that Apple's ramping up its production for the first half on better than expected demand for their phones. Uh, obviously, if that's true, then Skyworks should be a beneficiary because they have more content in 5G phones than they had in 4G phones, more content in 4G phones than they had in 3G phones, more content. In <laughs> you get the idea. As we go up in G, they make more money uh, with every phone that's sold. Um, Apple is not their only customer, but it is a, an important customer for them. And I think this is a stock you can kind of go out and buy right around these levels and, and sort of let it play out from here. Again, you've got you know solid double-digit revenue growth last quarter, year over year. And if you look at the earnings in 2021, 23% growth, and in 2022, 13% growth. So there's a smattering from this week's research, a smattering, Joe, That's of a, ideas. For that is an excellent buy. smattering. Yeah, as always, I will put all of these into the into the show notes, and I will I'll be tweeting about these. They'll be in the YouTube description, Spotify, wherever you listen or watch. So yeah, with that, I think we'll I think we'll leave it at that. Do you have any any parting words of wisdom for us before we head out? 
No, not today. I, I, got, I got nothing, Joe. I got it's nothing. Been, I mean, just... Yeah, it's just been kind of like a, a boring week. We were, we were talking like before we started recording, like, what are we going to talk about? It's been, it's been so normal. What is this? Like, is this a preview of 2021? I kind of, <laughs> on one hand, I hope so. But on the other hand, we could definitely use another topic or two to talk about. Yeah, well, you know, um, if listeners have anything they'd like to hear us talk about on the show, uh, feel free to mention the comment, make sure you like and subscribe to the YouTube, throw it in the comments or hit us up on Twitter. We're more than happy to answer some questions in real time on the show. Yeah, for sure. All right. So we'll, we'll leave it at there. We'll see you all next week. Take care, everyone.